Hello and welcome to another episode of But Have You Heard About? I'm your host, Courtney, and today I'm going to talk about Patty Cannon. I had alluded to Patty Cannon when I talked about how we went from having slave patrols to police and the reverse Underground Railroad, which surprisingly, not as well known as I would have probably liked it to be known. I mean, I am going to be completely honest. I remember learning about the reverse Underground Railroad when I was in high school, let alone really in college, but also I didn't take that much American history in college. So Patty Cannon was either born in 1760, 1759, or 1769, but she definitely died on May 11th of 1829, and she was considered an illegal slave trader and was the co-leader of the Cannon-Johnson Gang of Maryland, Delaware. So this group operated for about a decade in the early 1800s, and they would kidnap free Black people and fugitive slaves along the Delmarva Peninsula to sell into slavery in the South, usually into Mississippi or Alabama, far away from where she was, which was kind of near like Philadelphia. She would literally go and have people befriend free Black children to basically kidnap them and break their wills to then um, sell them into slavery. And they had never known about slavery. So that's um, pretty despicable. You know, women can be just as horrible as men. And uh, this definitely shows that. Patty Cannon married local farmer Jesse Cannon. Well, obviously she wasn't born Patty Cannon. Anyway, she married Jesse Cannon and they had at least one daughter. And this daughter was twice married. And both men that she married were known to engage in slave stealing and kidnapping. Just think where this is heading, okay? So the daughter, Mary Cannon, married Henry Breton, who was a blacksmith who kidnapped free black Americans um, and then would force them to be sold back into slavery. Brettenton was convicted and imprisoned in 1811 for such kidnapping, but escaped from the jail. He was captured, convicted of murder in another case, and hanged with his criminal associate, Joseph Griffith. After Mary had enough time to grieve over the death of her lovely Henry, she then married Joe Johnson, who became Patty's most notorious partner in crime. I mean... Keep it in the family, you know. The gang under Patty Cannon and Joe Johnson was described as having not only white individuals, but also blacks who had been former free slaves. They would be the ones that would befriend either former slaves or even those free children, free black children, and to convince them, you know, like, oh, we're good people. We can be friends. And they'd be the ones that kidnap them. So how does one get involved with the reverse underground railroad, you may ask? Well, Patty Cannon has quite a past on her. Not only is she just linked to being in a gang because of her daughter from her um, that she had from her husband who passed away, she reportedly worked as a barmaid and later as a prostitute. And she even had made plans to open her own brothel. Just like how you compare other things or other individuals are like, you know, they wanted it, they had this dream. And if they could have achieved this dream, they wouldn't have done the horrible atrocities that they were accused of. Well... She had an unpleasant demeanor and she obviously was not fun to be with and like none of the Johns liked her. And so her owning a brothel as well as having women working under her was probably not going to be a good thing. Like her customer service skills were kind of lacking. So by the age of 24, it is noted that Patty was having trouble attracting Johns because of her sour disposition. And so since her dreams of becoming a madam were just crushed. She opened a tavern that later became a central location for these criminal activities that we're going to talk about. Having your own business, especially after, you know, Patty's first husband, Jesse, passed away. I want to call him Joe. My bad. But when Jesse passed away, she needed to come up with some form of income to continue living. Otherwise, she needed to get remarried. She needed to then, you know, live with other family members or have to rely on her 
children to provide for her. And since she was young enough, she apparently decided that, you know, taking part in criminal enterprises were the way to go to make a living. And the fact that there were more women than you would expect to be in this illegal slave trade, because as noted by the early 1800s, in 1808, when Congress prohibited the foreign importation of slaves into the United States, it then became very lucrative for individuals to participate in these illegal activities, especially because you have people that are fleeing from the South. You have these African-Americans or these Black individuals fleeing from the South at this time, not on the Underground Railroad, but just, you know, getting up there or they are freed and then they are having their own life. If you're looking around and you don't care about human individuals, as apparently Patty and the rest of the Cannon Johnson gang didn't care, you then have the ability to be like, oh, this is just like cattle to them. They're literally looking at children as this is what if I steal this child and treat them like cattle to then ship them somewhere else, it's going to be great for me financially. And there have been historians in the past that have definitely said that the illegal slave trade has, you know, given women the opportunity to leverage their relationships within their family with those male conductors and station agents on the reverse underground railroad in order to secure their own passage through an otherwise treacherous and decidedly homosocial world. So you, if you didn't have a man, you then leveraged your male relatives to kind of help keep you in business for the reverse underground railroad. So since they lived in a bordering state in Delaware, they were able to go into states that had outlawed slavery, where a lot of freedmen were now living. They had the ability to take them back over the state lines, but obviously you couldn't sell them into the next state, especially if they were born free, were a freed person. But if they fleed, obviously you can take them back to where they possibly came or where they had fleed from, um, which just sounds horrible. Mind your own damn business, Karen. But you have these individuals that... But they weren't just kidnapping children, they kidnapped men, they kidnapped women as well. It didn't matter your age, it was literally the fact that you were a body to sell. And they would transport them back to those southern slaveholding states, and they'd be sold to plantation owners at slave auctions, because even though you couldn't import slaves from other places, other countries, you could still sell people. And because of where the Cannon-Johnson gang was near rivers, it was an ideal location for illegal slave trades via the waterways, as well as being like, you know, off, you know, off a coast too. Patty Cannon and the rest of her gang took advantage of the fact that there was a booming population in the states of Maryland, Delaware um, region, as well as Pennsylvania that had these, you know, the large population of free African-Americans and former slaves. And they were like, look, we're going to start this kidnapping ring. It's going to boom. And sadly, it did. So not only did they just straight up kidnap freed former slaves and African-Americans, current slaves were also taken from one plantation to another in different states and sold. And we kind of talked about that and touched about that with the slave patrollers as well. But these illegal slave traders used several methods to lure their victims. So it wasn't just one and done. They would have direct threats of violence or physical harm. Um, Some kidnappers used bribery, offered money, alcohol, or the promise of real work. Children were especially vulnerable, and kidnappers would lure them with candy. So literally, stranger danger has been a thing forever. May not have said it, but stranger danger and candy, even if it's a horse-drawn carriage and candy's hanging out the window, don't go. Don't do it. I don't care if it's a van. I don't care if it's an airplane or a space shuttle in the future, because obviously we're going to go to Mars. But until this happens... Do not let candy lure you into a damn van. At least let it be puppies and you hear them and you see them. Anyways, slaves could be sold for $200, $300 each back in the day, which would be 
several thousands of dollars today. And the prices would vary depending on the age and the condition of the individual that was being sold, which is pretty horrible to think about. It's gross. I do want to point out that not only was the Cannon Johnson gang responsible for the deaths of just a ton of slaves, as well as putting them back into slavery, they also were believed to have murdered guests in their tavern, including other slave traders that they knew. And they would steal their money and their horses. So I'm like, oh, you know, it's the bad taking out the bad, but you're still doing the bad. It's not really great. So I want to talk a little bit about this tavern because she's a barmaid at her own tavern. She owns it. She's running it, doing her own thing. Obviously, one of the few ways that she's able to afford everything is because she is part of the legal slave trade. Well, they use the tavern as a holding grounds for kidnapped individuals that they were going to then, you know, take back to go sell into slavery. The tavern itself sat atop some hidden rooms as well as hidden rooms off to the sides. It's very much like one of those old houses where you go in and you're like, ooh, if I push this book, the, the corridor door is going to open and there's going to be a hidden room. Yeah, like that. But that's where they held people. And that's gross and creepy. Like, I ain't about that life. Ugh. But literally, they were able to carry these crimes out for like 20 years because they would just easily slip across state lines because Delaware apparently don't hold no borders. And also, they would just go to another state if they felt that the local police were getting a little too on to them. I guess it pays to live in a little baby state. Well, all horrible things must end just as horribly. And in 1822, members of the Cannon Gang were finally caught and tried, including one Mr. Joe Johnson. So the Johnson of the Cannon Johnson Gang was brought to court and he was charged with kidnapping. However, his punishment was not to be hung. Sadly, he was given 39 lashes and placed in the stocks. You know, the thing where you like make fun of people at Renaissance Fair, like, oh no, look at me, my hands and my head are through. Yeah, so that's what he was in. But once, you know, his punishment was over with, he fled to a state in the South where obviously he'd been selling slaves anyways. So he's like, oh, look, I got friends. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna even look up to see what happened to him. I just hope he died um, horribly from gangrene in the Civil War. Actually, he would have been really, really old because that was 1820 and the Civil War wasn't for 40 years. I just, maybe like something bad happened to him. And that's what I'm going to hope for. 1829. This is a pivotal year because this is the year that Patty Cannon goes to jail. Dun, 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 dun. So she's over here. She's lost Joe, her son-in-law, probably her best friend, because I guess she didn't like her two kids that she had. She had a tenant farmer working on her farmland and they discovered a blue chest. And what was in that blue chest, ladies and gentlemen? Human bones. And they're believed to be the remains of a slave trader who'd gone missing in 1820. Dun, 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 So after this discovery was made, a key witness against the Cannon gang was caught and then questioned about this. And you want to know what did her in? My favorite part about this whole thing is the one person who went to the damn police was Cyrus James. He was a mixed race slave who had been purchased by Cannon when he was seven years old and was often used as a decoy to lure others into being kidnapped. It was his testimony that landed homegirl Cannon in jail. Dun, 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 dun. I hope you guys like my singing today. I'm trying to make light of a horrible topic because literally the stuff that she was accused of doing that she wrote in books was that she just tortured the hell out of children to break their will before she would sell them into slavery. She would put them in those rooms. She would deprive them of things, food, water. They would put them in chains when they were walking them, you know, whether they were walking or being in boats. However, mode of transportation to go get sold at a slave auction. 
and they would threaten those individuals that they had kidnapped or lured or which whatever way that they had acquired them because it wasn't legal, obviously. And they would sit there and be like, hey, I'm going to threaten you and murder you or like torture you worse than you've already been tortured if you say anything about what's going on. So they would threaten them against each other as well. So it wasn't, it wasn't good. I mean, one of the tactics is that they would keep them in these leg irons and their physical restraints used on ankles of a person to allow walking only with, with restricted stride and to prevent running and effective physical resistance. He also would severely whip captives who insisted they were free because again, they would threaten them. Joe Johnson's wife, you know, Patty's daughter, was overheard at a time saying it, and I quote, did her good to see him beat the boys, end quote. Boy, obviously uh, referring to black men of any age because, yeah. And there were multiple individuals who were kidnapped in some way by the Cannon Johnson gang that testified against them. So one was Lydia Smith. She was a 25-year-old free black woman and said that she was kidnapped in 1825 kept in the cannon's home before being moved to Johnson's Tavern. And she was held there for five months until she was shipped south with a large lot of kidnapped free blacks being sold into slavery. So not only did the blue chest of bones put Patty Cannon in jail, but they found the bodies of four black people, including three children. And they were discovered buried on that farm property as well. And the tenant had discovered them at the same time as that blue chest. Obviously, we all know that the bones of that slave trader were seen as a little bit more valuable in the police's eye at the time than those of the four black individuals, especially even though there were three children. In April of 1829, Panny Cannon was indicted on four counts of murder by a grand jury. And that witness I mentioned earlier, Cyrus James, stated that he had seen Patty take an injured, quote, black child not yet dead out in her apron, but that it never returned, end quote. While Patty's in jail in 1829, she confessed to nearly two dozen murders of black kidnapped victims. However, she died in prison while awaiting trial. She died in her cell, and some believe that it was possibly a poison suicide. So for whatever reason, after she died, her skull was separated from the rest of her bones, lying in the pauper grave at this potter field where she was buried. It was put on display including a loan to the Dover Public Library in 1961. And then it was loaned to the Smithsonian in 2010 to allow scientists to learn more about settler life in the Chesapeake area. Creepy. Well, if you guys ever happen to be out in Maryland, you actually can go by a historical marker that is placed near her house. And it goes over the atrocities that happened there. And it was, you know, a new marker was put up in like 2012 because originally the new one was like way off mark and didn't really go into full details. Also, Patty Cannon, there were pamphlets written about her, and it was published anonymously, and it was called The Narrative and Confessions of Lucretia P. Cannon. Um, The pamphlet and the crimes inside of it inspired others, and they are linked to kind of being like the Penny Dreadfuls from Britain, if you've ever been into that. One of the reasons that is given for Patty to be given the name Lucretia in this pamphlet itself is to associate her with Lucretia Borgia, who was a famous Italian poisoner. There are multiple books, um, as well as show TV shows as movies that have used characters similar to the things that Patty has done, or at least that Patty's been accused of doing. Because again, she didn't actually get to go to trial and we didn't get to hear everything. I mean, not that I would have heard anything anyways, I, I was not alive. But all of that that could have been, you know, brought out into the open, never happened. So anyways, 
That's the depressing story of Patty Cannon, who is a horrible individual who thought that kidnapping freed black individuals and selling them into slavery and using them for de- using children as decoys to make people feel safe, that they can go and do this work that has been promised to them, as well as killing p- individuals and killing other like slave traders. She's pretty horrible. Like, I love learning about interesting women. And I mean, she is interesting. She's just a horrible type of interesting. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode about Patty Cannon. And um, let me know if you have any other thoughts about any other type of one-off episode you'd like me to do. I feel I ramble a lot when I talk by myself and that's 110% okay because it's my podcast and it's my free time. I do what I want. Anyways, I hope you guys have a fabulous rest of your day, evening, morning, have some coffee, have some tea, have some popcorn, whatever it is, and have a fabulous rest of your day. Bye!